with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And a sunny and somewhat chilly Tuesday morning out there. Alan Rushard in the host chair as usual. Steve on the board. And we've got our good show under <laughs> lined up. The first guest uh, on the phone line now, um, Tracy Calagaros, the CEO out at the Exploration Place. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning. How's it going today? It's still early. <laughs> now, you... <laughs> Well, first off, let's just talk quickly about the exploration place itself. Have you guys got anything else on the go, like getting things lined up for spring, summer, etc.? We had started working on that. We were starting mm-hmm. to staff back up and get ready for an outdoor preschool and outdoor science alliance season. So it's and all of that's on hold again. I'm afraid. Yeah. <coughs> Are there still the plans to get the little prince up and running? It's off hold. Actually, has to do with seniors wanting to be in close quarters with the public and with each other until they've had both shots. So as it stands right now, I don't see the prince running before the end of the summer when at least the engineers have had all of their shots. Yeah. Okay. So, in other words... Everything's on hold again now at the exploration place, except that people can go by and look in the windows and see things. That's true. We have got our um, Paleo Botany Hall underway and the living wall, the vinyl's up now, so you can see that through the main windows of what used to be our atrium, and we're going to have, I think, all of the plants up on the wall by the end of this week. Wow. Now We are still doing lots. We're just not, unfortunately, able to do much with the public right now. Yeah. Now, one other thing that you're busy with right now is, well, it's a national project that you're involved with now, isn't it? Inspiring Youth, the Climate Action Project. What's this all about? Yeah, we're really excited about this. Uh, This particular grant came out of Environment Canada, and it it was um, partial use of some of the environmental fines that they'd levied against industry over a Mm -hmm. period of many years. And then they were looking for ways to have a real impact with um, climate change. And so their goal here is to have science centers right across the country engage youth in actual climate action, so learning about the climate science and then finding ways that they can have immediate impacts in their day-to-day lives. And it is a national thing, because I was noticing you you are one of the main people involved, like on the press release that we got, your name is right at the top, but I sort of suspect that might be because it came from you. (laughs) The um, the project itself has three national partners in, in terms of institutions, and Exploration Place is indeed one of them. It's us, the Discovery Center in Halifax, and Science North out of Sudbury, wow. with our primary oh. focus being on the Indigenous youth component. Oh, so does each of the three centers then have sort of, did you decide each of the three centers would have a specific focus for this uh, project? Well, it's interesting. The two other centers that we're partnered with are much larger than we are. So they're operating with, you know, $20 million annual operating budgets, and their focus really is going to be on developing a lot of the core content and developing a, a digital way to roll a lot of it out. When it came, however, to looking for an institution countrywide that had a strong relationship with an Indigenous community and some track record around truth and reconciliation and Indigenous ways of knowing, they came to Exploration Place, which was extremely gratifying for us. So was this something then, 
Where did it start then? And it, so did it start with the Canadian Association of Science Centers as sort of the overall body, and then they got in touch with the different uh, science centers? Well, it was definitely the Canadian Association of Science Centers that was looking for a relationship with government where they could try and find new funds to support all of the science centers mm. in the country as we're working our way through COVID. Mm. When they found this particular bucket of money, it was clear that they were looking for um, on-the-ground programming partners. And so that's why CASC went out to the Discovery Center and to Science North and then eventually asked Exploration Place if we would be part of the, the key development group as well. Now, have you worked with either Discovery Center or Science North before? Uh, definitely with Science North. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old uh, Explorations Gallery, if you go way back into the 90s, our very first foray into science was upstairs in our Explorations Gallery, and that was patterned largely on Science North uh, galleries. Okay. They also have been a, a partner for us with a variety of traveling exhibits, as well as with the Nature Exchange that we brought in close to 20 years ago now. <laughs> Um, Discovery Center is a new partner for us. We've done some programming partnerships with them, and I've sat on the CASC board with their CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we are familiar with them, but we haven't done an actual partnership with them yet. But it at least meant that when you guys started doing, I'm going to take a wild guess and say Zoom meetings about this, you already <laughs> knew the people you were going to be seeing on the screen. 100%. Yeah, and the, the turnaround time on this grant was very short last summer. We did this last August, and it's taken a long time to come to fruition, but our turnaround was about a week, so there was a whole flurry of Zoom meetings and then a whole lot of waiting. Wow. So, so how long has this been in the works in total? Like, when did the Canadian Association start the process of getting in touch with the different centres? Uh, this was last summer, so last okay. August. We first started Oof. discussing it uh, when the, the, the buckets of money have been showing up fast and furious in the last <laughs> year as government is trying to find ways to get money into the hands of Canadians. Yeah. And so in this instance, when this showed up, it had a really tight turnaround, so we didn't have a lot of time for exploring possibilities. But because Science North had been doing a ton of work around climate change and climate science with traveling exhibits over the period of decades. They were a great instant partner for for getting this on even feet and, and <laughs> able to be submitted. So now you've had some meetings then, obviously, with the other partners. When Have you got any dates set as to when you're hoping to have things rolling out as part of this project? The goal right now is to develop the, the programs themselves. And because we're all still in flux waiting to see what's going to happen with COVID and the variants of concern, we're, we're dragging our heels just a little bit as we get going because we want to decide whether we're really looking at a digital rollout or whether we can do this in person in remote communities. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the goal right now is to start really rounding up the content reaching out to the scientists that we can pick their brains for all of the detailed info that then will go in to inform the program development. And we'll start on program development likely in September with a rollout next spring, hopefully. Uh, around March break would be my, my goal. Okay. Now you were saying developing the programs, trying to decide if they're going to be digital or in person. I was thinking with a national project, a lot of it's going to be digital no matter what, Correct. Well, possibly. The the goal here is to get um, individual programmers into small rural communities, both digitally and in person. And, and the goal always is to go in person. It just has so much more impact when yeah. you have a person right there that you can ask questions of. 
So in other words, it's not going to be just you, Discovery Center and Science North coming up with this whole program and everybody else just taking it. You're going to be working with the different science centers across Canada and giving them, okay, here's the ideas that we've come up with. What can you do locally? 100%. You need things to really be relevant to local citizens, and that changes everywhere. You know, they used to talk about act locally and think globally. Well, I, I think that there's some real truth to that. And when you start to look at the diversity in our science centers, just in Canada alone, each one of our centers has a completely different flavor depending on the community that they're within. And so to just hand them a box full of stuff and say, here, go do this program, mm-hmm. wouldn't have near the same impact as engaging them in the development process and asking them for their own expertise and experiences. So how much of it do you think the the big three, I'll call you guys right now, will be <laughs> putting together and how much of it will be maybe talking with a science center in Alberta and saying, okay, here's the basic outline of what we're looking at. What do you think about this? Have you got anything that you'd like to see in it? And then maybe taking that input and taking that to the other um, science centers. I think that that's likely the way it will roll out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Science Center folks tend to be a chatty bunch, and we all (laughs) like to share our ideas. And so as the science itself has evolved over the last 20 years, so too will the way in which we can communicate it. And I believe that we will always do best if we're listening to our partners. Again, I hate to say something good is coming out of COVID, but is this a case where because a lot of what you're doing now is talking with the other groups, with the other science centers, having that almost extra time that you got right now because you're not open, is that a little bit of, it helps a little bit? Yeah, you know, I've often said tongue-in-cheek that you never let a good crisis go to waste. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, COVID is hell. There's no question. I I desperately wish it had never happened. But the fact of the matter is it did happen, and we've now had a year of what could have just been navel-gazing, but instead has been a year of introspection and of, I think, societal awakenings all around the world. And so science centers and museums have to find their way through it and then figure out how to continue to contribute to their communities in a way that make all of our communities better places to live. Now, is part of the thing, again, though, with COVID, is you never let a good crisis go to waste, and yet COVID and climate change don't really match too closely, do they? Is part of what you're going to be doing, trying to find ways to let people know that was a crisis, everybody pulled together, well, here's another crisis? Well, it'll be better minds than not mine that are writing the, the reviews in the future, but I I do think that COVID-19 is definitely linked to climate change, whether you're talking about social inequities or climate disasters or just the fact that humans are moving further and further into the natural world looking for food. Uh, I, I think that they are very much linked, and I hope that what the lesson that people are taking out of this is that we are all absolutely interconnected, and an action that happens in British Columbia does affect someone in Wuhan and vice versa. And so our science centers need to be able to talk to Canadians and ultimately all of our visitors around the world about how science works, what the scientific method is, and how an ecosystem and environment are all so inextricably intertwined that pulling on one thread on one side will affect the pattern on the other. So what I'm 
kind of hearing then is this is a big announcement, obviously national project, the discovery, uh, the exploration place very much involved with it on the top floor, if you will. But don't expect an announcement next week about something. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, The total project is $6 million. There will be the first set of funds that are coming into us. Um, we'll probably see those sometime in the next few months, and mm-hmm. you'll start to see development happening. But you won't actually see programs until 2022. Yeah. Now, is there a timeline for how long the funds are available for? I believe this is a three-year project, mm-hmm. so it's $6 million over three years, and my understanding from our initial meetings is that the big three, as you call us, <laughs> will do a lot of development over the next year and will roll pilot programs out next spring, with the idea being that partner institutions will get involved in sort of mid-2022 and start rolling out right across the country by um, spring of 2023. So the pilot projects are ones that would, say, go to a science center in Saskatchewan and maybe one in Quebec to take a look at and see how they run, then come back to you guys for some last touch-ups and then give them to all of the science centers? Yeah, something like that. Mm. I, I think that, you know, I, I learn best from making mistakes, quite frankly. And so it will I've be... I've learned a lot. <laughs> it will be incumbent upon the original three partners to uh, to roll this out and try it out, see what's going to work, see what kids uh, connect with, what actually is going to make a difference. And, and ultimately, you got to go back to the title of the project. We're looking to inspire action in youth. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't just about understanding how climate science works, but actually seeing what they can do and what their impacts can be on the climate around them. And ultimately, if we're going to hit net zero by 2050, Mm -hmm. it's going to be the young people of today that are inventing the technologies of tomorrow that are going to get us there. Quick question. It's one I always like to ask when I hear something like this. Inspiring youth. Define youth. Like, is there a specific age group that you're aiming at? Uh, The the federal government uses youth all the way up to 29. Mm -hmm. I think our main focus will be at the elementary and high school ages. Okay. So, uh, Tracy Calagueros with the Exploration Place. I'm not expecting to be talking to you every week about this for obvious reasons. Oh, I'll find something else we can talk about. Oh, good. I'm sure you will. Tracy, thank you very (laughs) much for taking the time this morning. Have a great day. You too. Take a break and be back with more after 9. Tune in on Sunday mornings at 8.30 for a Let the Bible Speak radio broadcast. This is Pastor Andrew Simpson, and each week on our program we will hear Christ Jesus being preached, gospel hymns being sung, and encouraging news from our churches in British Columbia. Our goal at Let the Bible Speak is to preach Christ in all His fullness, to man in all His need. So tune in on Sunday mornings at 8.30 for a Let the Bible Speak only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. If you are affected by dementia, you are not alone. The Alzheimer's Society of BC currently offers telesupport groups for care partners who are caring for someone living with dementia. The Interior and Northern BC Telesupport Group meets the second Tuesday of each month from 7 to 8 and the third Monday of each month from 2 to 3. For more information or to register, call the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936-6033 or email info.helpline at alzheimerbc.org.
The Vancouver International Children's Festival has been reimagined for 2021. Running May 31st to June 13th, this year's festival has an extraordinary lineup of world-class theater, music, dance, and storytelling created specifically for children and youth. Plus, there's an extra seven days of extended show viewing. Tickets are on sale now at childrensfestival.ca and include access to a series of online art workshops. The Vancouver International Children's Festival, May 31st to June 13th, at childrensfestival.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada. Sunny today, winds in the north at 20 this afternoon and a high of 16. Clear tonight with a low of minus 1. For Wednesday, sunny, becoming a mix of sun and cloud in the afternoon with the wind becoming west 20, a high of 13. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it is spring which means people are doing a lot of cleanup. And that means that uh, Northern BC Crime Stoppers is back getting rid of all that excess paper you've got. Ron Palillo, the vice president of Northern BC Crime Stoppers, is with me this morning. Good morning, Ron. Hello. How are you? Not too bad. And yourself, sir? Doing wonderful. The sun is shining. As you mentioned, it's uh, spring cleaning and we're all set for Saturday. Yeah, because and this is an event you hold... Is it just annually, or is it every six months or so? Well, actually, over the last four or five years, we've managed to do it every six months, so Mm -hmm. it's biannually. Yeah, we usually have it right around this time, usually the uh, second uh, or last Saturday of April, and then again the last Saturday in September. Now, we should maybe explain to people what it is, because we've been talking about spring cleaning, you've got all this excess paper. What exactly are you guys doing on Saturday? So, uh, some people may be aware, because uh, I know we have quite a, a loyal um, fan base or a loyal customer base, um, and uh, essentially what we do is, uh, so you go through, as you mentioned, your personal effects. This is uh, stuff like old visa bills and old taxes that you don't need, anything that uh, you know has personal information and mm-hmm. that can be subject to identity theft, and uh, you pack that up in a bin or... Um, or a garbage bag, and then uh, come bring it to us at uh, the sh- Community Shredded event uh, this Saturday. And uh, we instantly, uh, we have two trucks. You know, we have some great partnerships with um, the Shredded Mobile Services mm-hmm. and also Mr. Mike's, who puts on our community barbecue, mm-hmm. and our friends over at uh, PGSS and School District 57 that allow us to use their parking lot. And so um, this year, um, because of the COVID uh, restrictions, will be a little different. But uh, essentially, uh, you come and um, we take your shredded and we instantly put it uh, in the shredded mobile uh, trucks. And within seconds, it's um, safely and securely disposed of. And uh, you give us a nice donation. And that's how we raise money. Okay. Now, one thing, because we talked about this, I think, a couple of months ago, just after you announced when the date was and everything, we talked about it. And I'm looking at it and I'm seeing the Prince George Secondary School parking lot. And it suddenly occurs to me... Which parking lot? So this will be the um, the one right in front of the school. So you know where the sign is? Okay. Uh, the electronic sign is right yeah. on Highway um, uh, Highway 97. Yeah. So it'll be that parking lot, so that front parking lot. So you come in, as you as you usually do, yeah. um, you know, off, um, I guess that would be Vanier, right? Okay. Um, and turn right, 
and then you'll see um, Crime Stopper volunteers, and then we'll have volunteers all along the path to direct you from station to station. Okay. Um, so we'll have different stations. There'll be a greeting station, and then there'll be a station where we'll give you information where you make your donation, and then you'll drive up to where the uh, shredded uh, trucks will be, and then. Um, and we want to make this uh, point clear is you should stay in your vehicle. We're trying to follow all the uh, health uh, protocols yeah. uh, for COVID. And uh, so you stay in your vehicle. Everyone will be wearing masks. We encourage you to wear your mask in your vehicle as well. Uh, stay in your vehicle. Um, we encourage you to put your shredding in the back of your vehicle or your trunk. Mm-hmm. And then when you drive up to the station, you stop safely. You open up the truck. The volunteers will come and pick it right out of your uh, vehicle, and then we'll dispose it uh, directly into um, into the shredded trucks. And then if you want, uh, and if you've purchased um, uh, a ticket for the Mr. Mike's Barbecue, you'll drive up to their uh, barbecue um, um, station and hand them your ticket, and then they will deliver you um uh, a nice burger that you can have as well too, as a as a lunch, and then when uh, you can eat it in your vehicle or you can drive away. Okay. And so now, when is it on on Saturday? So this Saturday, April twenty fourth, from ten a.m. till two p.m. Okay. So uh, and um, and I know usually we have some people that arrive there early, but um, <laughs> arriving there early, um, you know, will only help to a certain degree because. You know, uh, we don't start, uh, you know, uh, have things set up ready to go until 10 o'clock. So if you arrive at 9, you're going to be waiting for an hour. So, And we do have some people that arrive early. (laughs) Um, But I I would suspect, uh, you know, give us, uh, you know, um, know, uh, a good hour to set up um, so we're ready for everyone at uh, 10 o'clock. And then usually when things start going, it moves quite quickly. And, um, yeah, it's a well-oiled machine. And now the other thing to mention is if you get there at, say, even a quarter to 10, A, you're going to have to wait 15 minutes to get the shredding done, but you're going to have to wait 45 minutes to get your burger yeah. because the barbecue doesn't start until 10.30. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and Mr. Mike's is usually pretty good. Um, um, they usually come at 10 and they're usually set up earlier than 10.30, mm-hmm. but um, so... If you're if you're wanting to get a burger that earlier uh, that early, um, uh, I, I mean I can't promise this, but no. um, you know Mr. Mike's may be set up in time. So yeah. you're right too. If you if you want to uh, grab a burger, I suggest you come a little bit later. Yes. Yeah. So twenty after or ten thirty itself. How much of a lineup do you usually have? Well, I know um, you know this is our second time now that we've used the PGSS location, and it works out uh, extremely well in the different stations, especially uh, following the COVID uh, health protocols. Mm-hmm. And I know at one point when we did it in the fall, so we had our fall shredded at PGSS uh, last September, and at one point we did have probably ten to um, perhaps. Uh, you know, 15 vehicles uh, in the queue ready to go. So it does get fairly busy, but like I say, it moves uh, quite quickly. So, you know, we just ask for your patience. And uh, um, But uh, it, it, it does get very busy, yeah. And there's really, it's one of those things where there's no way of knowing. Like, it's not like some business can say, if a lot of restaurants, you go there at 5 to 12, and there's no trouble getting a table. Well, in the old days, there was no trouble getting a table. But if you went to five after 12, you might be waiting 
This is not the same thing, I'm guessing. There's no way of knowing when you might have a rush. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, uh, we know that uh, usually the first thing, like at 10 o'clock, we usually mm. say we have some early uh, people that come, and usually it's fairly busy um, and, you know, for the first uh, half hour. But to be honest with you, I mean, uh, really for the entire uh, four hours, uh, it is busy. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of vehicles that come through. You know, I would, you know, we haven't officially counted them, and I think that's something we're going to start doing yeah. um, this Saturday. But if I were to guess from you know the past uh, couple ones, you know I'd say we probably anywhere between 150 to 200 to 250 cars. So that's uh, it's pretty busy. Yeah. And now you were talking at the beginning about um, the documents that people can bring, but it doesn't have to be those documents that could have the personal information. If you're cleaning up and you just find a bunch of like old papers that you printed out that you don't want anymore, you can bring those over, right? You guys are not going to say, "Well, is that no. personal information?" Oh, then you can't no. use it. No, okay. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it's it's intended uh, intended obviously, um, you know, uh, for personal information. But you're right. We'll uh, we'll shred anything that's paper. Um, yeah. So any car, anything cardboard is really tough for that shredder. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, and sometimes we've had this over the years as well too. Is people will bring um, papers in um, like a three royal, uh, you know, three ring mm-hmm. uh, steel binder. Mm-hmm. We ask you to remove that. Yeah. So uh, we can't anything with uh, obviously metal or steel or you know that hard uh, plastic. That's not that's not the intention. So. Mm-hmm. Anything paper-based, absolutely, uh, we will shred for you. Yeah. Okay, and now, um, what are the, have you got recommended donations that you're sort of asking people to keep in mind? Yeah, we we, uh, we ask uh, that, um, um, that for every bag or bin or every item you have is a minimum $5 donation. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've got bags or bins, a uh, minimum $5 donation. But you know what? Uh, the, the Prince George public has been incredibly um, uh, gracious with their donations. So, um, you know, if... Um, you know, if you if you for some reason can't do that, we certainly understand. But and many people give uh, way over that limit. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do have like a five dollars per bag or um, bag or um, uh, bin. Yeah, yeah. So it's five dollars per bag or bin. I think it's also five dollars per burger, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. By golly. Yeah. So now, Ron, it's this Saturday. If people just want more information about the shredded event or Northern BC Crime Stoppers in general, where can they go to get that info? You bet. Yeah. So that's uh, Northern BC Crime Stoppers um, Community Shredded. It's this Saturday, ten mm-hmm. to two, at the PGSS parking lot. Yeah. Uh, for more information, you can go to our website, our brand new website. We're very proud of it. Yeah. At mm-hmm. NorthernBCCrimeStoppers.ca, or you can follow us on Facebook. Just search up Northern BC Crime Stoppers, our brand new Facebook page, and uh, all the information is there on Shredit and uh, what we do at Northern BC Crime Stoppers. Uh, you know, and, and just, um, you know, I've been involved in the organization uh, almost 20 years, um, and the reason why is because I know it works, and it mm-hmm. uh, keeps our community safe and makes our uh, communities a better place um, to live, work, and play, and uh, that's why... 
I've been involved in it. And uh, so any support that people can give, and uh, if uh, you choose to support by coming to our Community Shredded event, that is just uh, wonderful. It's a program that uh, has been around in uh, the central interior of Prince George for, um, you know, for 35 years. So um, it, uh, it's a program that has staying power and that really works. Okay. Ron Palillo, Northern BC Crime Stoppers, a shredded event coming on Saturday. Ron, thank you very much for taking the time this morning. Thank you for uh, sharing the information on the shredded event, and we'll see you Saturday. Okay. Take another break and be back with more after 9. The Vancouver Cantata Singers are inviting you to share your personal story of this unprecedented time with a short video or through written text accompanied by a photo. What changed for you? What's the same? What have you struggled with? Were there silver linings? Collected stories or story themes will be paired with performances of choral music on video and eventually a live concert. Full details are available at vcsmovingstories.com. Moving stories from the Vancouver Cantata Singers. Submission deadline is April 30th. The next Studio 2880 Pottery Sale is Saturday. Featuring works from C&J Fitzpatrick Pottery and TNA Pottery, the Spring Pottery Sale will feature a great variety of clay pieces handmade right here in Prince George. For more on the Studio 2880 Artisan Gift Shop, visit studio2880.com. For more on TNA Pottery, visit tnapottery.com. The Spring Pottery Sale featuring C&J Fitzpatrick Pottery and TNA Pottery, Saturday from 9 to 3 at Studio 2880. The Survivor BC Prostate Cancer Exercise Program is now available via Zoom. The program supports men living with prostate cancer, helping to increase flexibility, meet new people, and learn safe and effective exercises. To register, contact Lisa Newcomb by emailing inspiredlifestyles at shaw.ca. The Survivor BC Prostate Cancer Exercise Program, Monday and Wednesday afternoons from 1 to 2 for 10 weeks starting April 26th. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council is looking for a finance manager. Reporting to the Chief Executive Officer, the financial manager oversees all financial processes for iSpark and is responsible for reporting of the organization's overall financial performance. This is a full-time permanent position based out of South Vancouver Island. Full details are available through iSpark.ca. That's iSpark looking for a finance manager to work out of the Victoria area. Applications will be accepted until the position is filled. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it is going to be a cleanup weekend in Prince George. Just, of course, talking with Ron Palillo from Northern BC Crime Stoppers about their shredded event on Saturday over at PGSS. And then on Sunday, there's going to be people all over the city with the yellow, I think they've used it, the yellow garbage bags, because it is the full cleanup. And I'm not going to say too much about that, because I'm scheduled to be talking with somebody from Reaps tomorrow, and they, of course, are the group that organize it. So we'll get the full word from them on the uh, citywide cleanup. And the weather is supposed to be reasonably good. Like, I didn't see any uh, snowstorms in the uh, forecast for the weekend or anything like that. Oh, Lord. Things just went downhill. Good morning, Reg. So city cleanups, you'll be cleaning up your act as well? No. That's more than a one-day act. Uh, What else do you have for us today? 
I'm not sure. I mean, we're going to be talking with Fraser Rogers. We could talk a little bit about COVID if you want. Okay. There was the news story. Did you get the news story this morning from the Prince George Citizen? They had a post yesterday showing the the latest numbers. And and, uh, they also had those, uh, the maps. Like, if you go to the, the COVID dashboard, it shows the individual regions, okay. but there's a more uh, more specific those, map yeah, that, where they that show comes each out in every little and, area. And quite often, the the citizen will post those. Mm-hmm. And every time I've looked at it, the Prince George area of northern the northern health region yeah. is always uh, the best of the northern regions. Oh, yeah. So locally, we've been doing quite well. Uh, but there's uh, been outbreaks on the West Coast. The the latest problems have been up in the, in the Peace Creek, area. Believe, yeah. So um, as far as Prince George goes, we just have to keep holding the keep line. Keep on keeping and, on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because provincially, our numbers are as good as any. Well, yeah. as of last night, your your active case was 290. Yeah, yeah. Our yeah. our number uh, for the whole northern region under was three. under 200. And are under 300, yeah. and uh, but for uh, the map breaking it into more local areas showed that the Prince George area, our uh, active, our uh, our our daily uh, active rate is below 10 or okay no but below 20. It's yeah. it's quite a bit lower than you would expect being the larger center in mm-hmm. in, a, in a region that mm-hmm. has. Uh, you know, 300 active cases. Yeah. <clears throat> so, no. or maybe that was the daily, yeah, the but the no. daily active new uh, cases. Yeah. We're below 10. So we're not, we're not adding to the total as much as other regions in the north. Yeah. So that's, but that's a good thing. overall is not in a good <laughs> and, way. And no. again, that's the Fraser Valley because oh, Island, yeah. Island Health is actually doing better than yeah. we are. Interior, Interior is, is having doing, some problems. Well, they're, still. they're not doing bad. No. bad. But again, it's, it's just a couple of little spots. Yeah, it's Fraser Valley. The Fraser Valley is, and, and the Vancouver new restrictions are really for Friday. Days. I mean, they're long overdue. Friday. Well, oh, the travel. The, well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they, they've, yes. uh, they've extended the, the current restrictions yeah. until yeah. May the 24th. Well, you can't take a camper or a trailer or anything I'm just, uh, yeah, it's yeah. like oh no, another if you're traveling on the highway with a another camper, month and a bit. You might get pulled over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're talking about travel restrictions starting Friday. Uh, yeah. The issue that I think people in, in the north have with that is we could travel a great we can, distance. We can go to Fort and Nelson, not really go anywhere. Yeah, we can and go to Fort Nelson and not leave our authority. Well, exactly, yeah. and yeah. not come in contact with anybody else either. Well, that's I mean, true. That's the thing. Yeah, with so. Us. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Uh, certainly, by the time we hit the May long weekend, you'll hear a lot of people wanting the restrictions lifted. Yeah. And who knows if if the numbers uh, start to improve immensely over the next uh, weeks. four weeks, that uh, they may could drop happen. them early. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I find it odd, found it odd that they decided to extend them until after the long weekend. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, okay, I understand what they're saying, but. That's it's going to be it's going to be tough to well yeah uh, yeah. yeah they're punishing the whole province for problems in the Fraser Valley. I think the other thing was all the flack they got into when they at the last minute over the Easter weekend said yep. here's the new restrictions. They decided okay this time we're going to say through the May long weekend yeah, get it no. out there early yep. and then if they the end up giving good news then yep. they look better well, for it. Well, have a beach party on Friday. 
Yeah. How do you pull off a beach party on Saturday and Sunday? <laughs> you know? Anyways, we are going to go to a break. When we come back, I will be uh, playing an interview I did uh, Thursday evening with Fraser Rogers from the Prince George Cougars after 9. Excavation is underway in preparation for the construction of two new apartment buildings behind Mr. PG. Access to the Prince George Landmark is still available during construction via the access road from Rec Place Drive or from the sidewalk running along the south side of Highway 97. Mr. PG is currently being lit in green to recognize BC Transplant through April, Organ Donation Awareness Month. More information about Mr. PG can be found on the city website at princegeorge.ca slash mrpg. If you're in charge of a volunteer organization, you probably find yourself looking for answers in different areas. The Vantage Point can help with their program, Talk to a Consultant. Whether you need support with strategic or operational planning, performance management, recruitment, assessments, or facilitation, the Vantage Point is there for you with Talk to a Consultant. For more information on Talk to a Consultant, go to thevantagepoint.ca. Prince George Crime Stoppers is now Northern BC Crime Stoppers. Coming off another record year, your local Crime Stoppers organization is geared up to receive tips from across Northern BC anonymously, 24-7, 365 days a year. Call 1-800-222-TIPS or make your submission online at pgcrimestoppers.bc.ca. Don't miss Crime Stoppers' next community shredded event, Saturday from 10 to 2 at the PGSS parking lot to dispose of personal documents safely and securely with Northern BC Crime Stoppers. Forecast from Environment Canada. Sunny today, winds in the north at 20 this afternoon and a high of 16. Clear tonight with a low of minus 1. For Wednesday, sunny, becoming a mix of sun and cloud in the afternoon with the wind becoming west 20, a high of 13. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Prince George Cougars are about halfway through what's been a very strange Western Hockey League season, of course. And Thursday evening on our Post to Post show, got the chance to check with Fraser Rogers from the Cougars about what it's been like on what really a very long road trip down in Kamloops. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, been here for a month. Actually, today, I guess, has been four weeks of us being uh, stationed here in this what they like to call a controlled environment. So right at the halfway mark here uh, of this two-month stretch down here in uh, BC's uh, interior. So now, how long did it take you and the rest of the team to get used to being in the hotel and sort of the routine that you had to follow while you were there? Uh, That's a good question. You know, the first week was tough because you're in five days of uh, hotel quarantine in your own room. That's the first Mm -hmm. five days we get here because you have to do two COVID tests, which take about a uh, day and a half turnaround time to get results. So you have to do twice, and, and with the results taking that long, it's a five-day stretch. So that was the biggest challenge. So uh, I would say by the, you know, two and a half weeks, three weeks in, you're kind of in this routine of the rink in the hotel because, you know, for your listeners, this hotel is literally right across the street from from the from the arena as we talked before previously in the show it's right across so um you know you're just going to and from the rink and hotel so i would say two and a half three weeks in you kind of got into routine and this is life now for the next uh four more weeks wow now one thing i was wondering about because you guys are in the hotel is the hotel following its usual pattern though like do they have cleaning people in every day and if so do they have a set time that they come by 
We get our rooms cleaned twice a week. Uh, we have a whole floor to ourselves. Mm. We actually share the hotel um, with the Vancouver Giants, and there's also public guests allowed, but we each have our own floor. So the mm. third floor belonging to the Vancouver Giants, the, the fourth floor the fourth floor is belonging to us, and yeah, the cleaning staff come uh, twice a week uh, on on days that we're at the rink practicing. They know our schedule, so we're not here when they come in and change our rooms over to follow a lot of strict COVID-19 protocols right now. So, um, yeah, it's a little different. You know, it's not like a typical hotel stay because mm-hmm. you're kind of hunkered down and you kind of set up long-term as opposed to maybe just a, a night or two. And they've done a great job, though, here at the hotel kind of adapting to make it work mm-hmm. for us and uh, allowing us to come in here. And they've really opened uh, or welcomed us with open arms. Now, you were saying that it's only, I think you were saying earlier that it's only about maybe a 30 or a 40-yard walk from the hotel to yeah. the rink. Have you guys had to do that in the rain yet? No. Luckily, the weather's been, <laughs> there are some cooler days. Yeah. Um, in fact, one night it snowed here. One of the first nights we were here, they got a late uh, spring snowfall. I know PG, I was told, uh, was getting some snow, too, up, in, up until last week. But uh, the weather started really turning around uh, last week here. It started getting a lot more milder. And like today, the bluebird day, as they say, with uh, some beautiful sunny skies and uh, really warm temperatures. I'm talking uh, low 20s right now in Calabs. I'm in I, my door to my uh, door to my patio in my hotel room is wide open as we're talking right now. And it's uh, shorts and T-shirt weather here. It's, the ice cream shops are open. You know, people are out uh, on the on the river. Uh, sunbathing right now, so it feels more like June than it does April, to tell you that much. Yeah, and I guess that's the one thing, is the ice cream stores, they don't have to worry as much, because nobody eats in the ice cream store anyways. You're either on their little (laughs) patio, or you're taking it away. Exactly, and there's an ice cream store actually at the bottom of the hotel here, right Mm -hmm. below my hotel room, so I'm actually overseeing, and it's, uh, it's smoking busy. It's a good time to be in the ice cream business in Kamloops, let me tell you that. I, it usually is. I mean, I spent a number of years down in Kamloops working at the paper, and yeah, I used to like to tell people the temperatures in Prince George and Kamloops were, were similar. Number 40 came up a lot. In Kamloops, <laughs> that was the high in the summer. In Prince George, that was the low in the winter. <laughs> that, that's very true. I lived uh, before my time in Prince George. I lived seven years in Penticton in the oh. South Okanagan, and uh, I owe my fair share of uh, plus 40 weather for sure. Now, of course, the other thing that happened since we last spoke was Kelowna had to take a bit of a break, if you will, from the uh, Western Hockey League wars. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, they had uh, a COVID-19 hit their their cohort and they had the uh, two-week mandated pause from the Mm -hmm. WHO protocols. And uh, unfortunately, seven people did test positive, but... Um, the isolation measures that the you know, WHL protocol enacts when there's a positive case kicked in and the protocols worked, and that's what they're designed to do. And uh, fortunately, it didn't spread really throughout the whole team. It was about three staff members and I think uh, four players. So um, they got lucky there in the sense it didn't sweep through the team like, you know, the Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about the Vancouver Canucks, for yeah. example. And I'm sure you and your show have been talking about the Canucks all this mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the WHL definitely dodged a bullet there with uh, the COVID and not really having what I think a variant didn't really hit the Kona camp and spread quickly. They did a lot of good measures quickly to make sure they got it contained. And uh, like I said off the top, only seven people were infected. And uh, unfortunately, they all then recovered. They actually got to practice. Uh, I think it was uh, Tuesday morning was their first team practice again after their two-week hiatus. So um, they're back and practicing, and they're actually preparing 
for the Cougars because Saturday's their first game back since the pause, and uh, their first game will be against us on Saturday night. Now, is that a game that was scheduled on the original schedule, or is that because I think you guys lost two games while they were away, right? Yeah, we, we, we lost two postponed games, but yeah. the Saturday game is the original scheduled game against Kelowna. Um, our, our original schedule uh, against Kelowna was actually supposed to happen last weekend, but we lost that one mm-hmm. uh, to the rescheduling. It was actually originally scheduled, I think, for actually the April the 12th. Um, we were supposed to play um, Kelowna Rockets, but uh, now a week later we're playing them on the 17th, and it'll be their first game since... Uh, uh, March, what I think, twenty March twenty ninth would be, wow. be their first game. So it's been a while for them uh, as well. So uh, we look forward to having all five teams back at it, and it'll be a good test as well on the weekend for Cougars face Kelowna for the first time. Now, has there been any word from the league about rescheduling the games that Kelowna did miss while they were having the COVID? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, right now, the word I'm getting out of the WHL office is they're calling them postponed, but. I'm, I'm the feeling I'm getting, Alan. It's pretty much they're going to be canceled. I don't think you're going to see any games rescheduled. There is no playoffs in the BC oh. division. I don't know if your listeners are no. keenly aware of that, but uh, they never really announced a playoff format for a reason because it won't be. I, I don't know why they didn't come out and say it more clearly, but uh, <laughs> they had kind of been coy about it. But um, you know, I understand there's a lot of moving parts, but there's only 24 games scheduled. There won't be any playoffs because, and I don't blame them. The no. cost is 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 substantial. It's a substantial cost to, you know, have this cohort go on for two months. So all five teams are spending an absorbent amount of money on testing and protocols and hotels and ice time to, to make this happen. So, um, you know, the, the postponed games won't be rescheduled. I don't think at this point, because it just, that means more hotel stays. That means more costs for having rink staff, uh, keeping the ice ready. And it's a big trickle down effect. You know, if you push the season back more from that Mar- May the 12th, uh, uh, end date, that means it's just more money every day you keep yeah. playing. And uh, unfortunately, it's just going to be, I think, the sacrifice we'll have to make to losing a couple games. But in the big picture, um, you know, for, for teams like us and the four other teams that weren't uh, paused, uh, they'll still be a, a close to a full 24-game schedule. Um, I know Kelowna won't be playing 24 games. They'll probably end up playing, I think, around 17. Um, but uh, it is what it is in, in today's world. we got to live day by day, and it's a very fluid situation down here. And unfortunately, uh, we're still playing hockey, so we're grateful for that. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview with Fraser Rogers after 9. Richmond Cares, Richmond Gives is presenting a virtual training series on volunteer management. Topics covered include planning a volunteer program, recruitment, marketing, and communications, and recognition, retention, and staff volunteer relations. The online classes are 10.30 to noon, Tuesdays and Thursdays, from May 4th to May 20th. Full details are available through the Training Center link at rcrg.org. The Virtual Volunteer Management Training Series from Richmond Cares, Richmond Gives. Registration deadline is April 30th. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity, and Recreation Council is holding a photo contest open to all ages and abilities. As part of a unique project to get our youth moving, iSpark is looking for images of Indigenous youth engaging in cultural activities that encourage physical activity. There are 27 categories to participate in, with a chance to win a $25 Visa gift card or one of three $100 gift cards. Full details and rules are available at iSpark, that's I-S-P-A-R-C dot C-A. The iSpark photo contest. Entry deadline is May 6th. 
As part of the ongoing collaboration with the BC Tourism Resiliency Network, the Northern BC Tourism Association is connecting tourism stakeholders from the region with a digital expert at no cost. Funded by Western Diversification Canada, the digital expert you're matched with will provide one-on-one support with website management, social media services, business listings, and potential e-commerce solutions. For more information or to apply, click on the Northern BC Tourism Resiliency Program logo at travelnbc.com. Although crews with the City of Prince George patch potholes and unclog catch basins all year long, these operations ramp up with the first big melt of the year. Help keep roads as smooth as possible by contacting the City's service centre when you spot a pothole or large puddle on the road. Dial 311 within City Limits, email 311 at princegeorge.ca or submit a service request at princegeorge.ca or via the City app. Motorists are also encouraged to exercise extra caution while driving during the snowmelt season. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we're back, and we're going to wrap up the interview with Fraser Rogers of the Prince George Cougars from Thursday evening on the Post to Post show, talking about the uh, playoff plans the Western Hockey League had in place in this pandemic season. Yeah, I know they originally, I know, like, just to make it clear, like, they originally were discussing a playoff format Mm -hmm. that would be division only. So um, if they would have had a divisional playoff, it would have been just the five teams in the Mm -hmm. BC division playing. And uh, some of the concepts that were thrown around, again, this is just speculation that I was told, but some of the concepts they were discussing in in the conference calls were single single game elimination much like the uh, NCAA March Madness mm-hmm. that just yeah. wrapped up you know single game elimination bracket style seeding with the five teams um, the top team that finished first would have, would have got a bye and the four other teams would have played in a one game elimination tournament once you get down to the two teams, you play a championship game. But at the end of the day, um, I think yeah. the governors and the BC division just realized, you know, it's a huge cost to keep the season going. And for the health and safety of the players, too, they're already playing a ton of games in this next month. Because of that postponement of Cologne, I just want to go on a little bit of a sidebar here, is the schedule's even further condensed now with some of these rescheduled games. And to give it to perspective, in the first four weeks of this cohort, Cougars only played eight games. Yeah. Yeah. Of the 24, they were supposed to play a lot more. They're supposed <laughs> to be playing around 12 or 13 game mark right now. So the fact that they still have about, <laughs> you know, 10, I think, what is it, uh, 12, 13, 14 games still to go um, in, in just a month, it's going to be a crazy April, uh, mid May stretch here for the Cougars. They're, they're playing on average now four games, if not five games a week, which is busier than an NHL schedule because an NHL schedule on average, Yep. An eighty-two game schedule. You're you're playing about four games a week, so you know put that in perspective. So you look at the end of the day, the playoffs. There, there were discussions. You know, they had all sorts of scenarios floated out. I know the East Division um, is doing a playoff cup for the top team that finishes mm-hmm. first in the standings, okay. but actual playoffs beyond the regular season schedule is not going to happen no. this year. And I think you got to look at the schedule for next year too, because it's already going to mid-May. These kids need an off season to yes. train, regroup. And you know, replenish after being uh, put through the grind for this next two months and get ready for an October start. So they do need that window of recovery as well. So um, in a day, 24 games it is, and uh, the guys I think are just grateful that they're still playing hockey. Yeah, and I guess the one thing where if there had been any question probably with the uh, BC governors and the WHO governors in general, the announcement, I think it was yesterday, 
that the Memorial Cup was cancelled probably just cemented it saying, okay, well, we don't need to worry about playoffs because we've got no, nowhere to send our champion. And that's the, that's the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, is yeah. uh, when the national level, when you know, the WHL, OHL, and uh, Q, MJHL representatives were obviously talking about the you know, CHL Memorial Cup yeah. um, and not able to play because it is with travel and all the issues going on with COVID-19 right now across our country, it, it's near impossible to even you know, think about a national tournament. So no. there is no national tournament to play for. Um, playing a league playoffs kind of seems like a moot point. I know the QMJHL is going to play playoffs. They're actually sort of. um, about to play their playoffs. Well, trying to anyways. I know they've been on a pause a little bit as well, but uh, um, it's just such a, you know, it's such a fluid situation. And it's where I like to use a lot because it's so hard to really nail down anything and say, yes, we'll play playoff when you don't know what tomorrow will bring in our world right now. It's literally a day-by-day um, situation. And, and with the Memorial Cup canceled, I'm not going to say there's no point to a playoff, but it just makes it even further yeah. uh, challenging to try to you know make a playoff work if there is no Memorial Cup. And I, I just hope next year will be the first time in three years there'll be a Memorial Cup played you know, mm. in 2022. And you hope there will be one because there's you know, no Memorial Cup now the last two seasons. Yeah. And it is a great tournament that has so much history and it means so much for, for our level, for the, the CHL. And uh, hopefully this time next spring, you know, we're talking about a, a fun playoff uh, push for the Prince George Cougars. Yeah. Now, one thing I want to talk about with the Cougars is, I believe, has Tyler Brennan left now to go to the DIIHF Worlds? Yeah, yes and no. Technically, he's still here oh. in his hotel room. He's actually <laughs> undergoing... Uh, a five-day quarantine period for Hockey Canada's protocol. So what Hockey Canada has is a five-day window where the players will get tested a couple times, stay in their uh, hotel rooms if they're, you know, playing in the in the bubble or if they're just at home with their billets, they got to stay in their billets or at their home. Mm-hmm. And then they get tested twice, and then they'll leave this Saturday uh, to fly down to Texas. The tournament's just outside of Dallas in Frisco and Plano, two suburb uh, communities of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And once they get there, it's a four-day quarantine period at the hotel in Texas. Then out of there, they do a, a practice and exhibition game, and their tournament starts on April 27th. So technically, Tyler Brennan has uh, played his last game for the Cougars this year as he you know goes on to play for Canada at that tournament. It's a two-week tournament, and then with the U.S. you know quarantine rules, once you return to Canada, the two-week you know isolation period, it wipes out any chance for him to return before this. Uh, BC hub season's over, so he would just go right back to Winnipeg mm-hmm. uh, to his home and start his isolation period after the tournament's over and uh, just get ready for next season. So he had a great short stint uh, with the Cougars. Uh, did not lose a game in regulation. You know, won twice in four games. Had some great numbers as well. And still, you look at the WHL stats page, despite him you know, not playing for the last couple of games, he's still uh, top five in the league in goals against and save percentage. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think I was checking the roster this morning for the Cougars, and your third goalie, who I'm guessing is now with the team, or has been with the team, but will now be on the bench all the time, is Ty Young, correct? Yeah, Ty Young, a 16-year-old uh, prospect that they drafted uh, in 2019 from just outside of Lethbridge. Uh, played his minor hockey in Lethbridge and played his uh, major, major hockey, the Lethbridge Hurricanes AAA program, and had a couple good years at the uh, under-18 level in Alberta, including a good start this year before minor hockey was paused yeah. in Alberta, like all the Western provinces. And uh, athletic kid, great size. He's about six foot four, 
Um, he's actually probably the tallest of the three goaltenders here. Um, and the Cougars have tall goalies, like Brennan's 6'3", and, and Taylor Gauthier's about 6'2". I would say Tyon might be just a hair taller than Tyler Brennan, so he's got a lot of potential, and he's backed up Taylor Gauthier the last two games now, and he'll probably get a game or two just with the schedule and how condensed it is. Taylor Gauthier's going to need some breaks. You don't want your goaltender to fall apart because he's overworked. So, um, you know, Ty Young technically still an affiliate player for the Cougars, though he is signed and, you know, expected to be a full member potentially next year for the group. He's getting a great chance to, you know, back up Taylor Gauthier, work at the WHL level with a goaltending coach here and Taylor Dakers, um, be around the WHL environment day in, day out. And actually, he's probably going to get one or two starts coming up here in the next two weeks just to give Taylor Gauthier a breather. So, um, it'll be a bit of a baptism by fire on deck for him, maybe, but uh, I look forward to seeing him uh, make his Cougars debut in the near future. Now, have you lodged a formal complaint with coach and general manager Mark Lamb about having three goaltenders named Tyler, Taylor, and Ty? <laughs> that is a bit of a tongue twister, and uh, I was actually joking with one of our, our staff members. We were looking at our, just our roster, and you have Ethan Brown on the team right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's two prospects that can make the team next year in Caden Brown, who's from Fort St. John, and Ryland Brown, who's from Edmonton. So the Cougars, realistically, next year, if everything falls in place, could have three Browns on the roster. And that could be a headache. So um, no complaint yet from me, but if we see the three Browns maybe in the roster next year, I might have to start having a word with Mark Lamb and seeing how we're going to figure out how to broadcast those games with three Browns in the ace at the same time. Well, not quite as bad as the Spruce Kings a few years ago where they had the triplets playing on the same forward line. Yeah, Mile, Leos, and Gerald Fitzgerald. Yeah. Uh, I remember those three from my days in the BCHL and uh, very good hockey players yeah. as well. And uh, When I was broadcasting in the league uh, when they were playing with Spruce Kings and Victoria, I called them by their first name. Yeah, yeah. Miles, Leo, and Gerald when they had the puck. That's what uh, he went by Jerry, I think. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, no, it was first-name basis with those three on the ice, and uh, they were great players. Okay, Fraser Rogers of the Cougars, thanks very much for taking the time. I'll let you get back to your sunbathing now. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it, Alan. And as we were mentioning in that interview, as of yesterday, the, the WHL officially canceled the playoffs for this season. That'll do it for today's show. I'll be back on the air tomorrow after 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen.